0: Body of Wonder, a podcast exploring the healing capacity of the human body, is produced by the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of Arizona. The Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine is internationally recognized for leading the transformation of healthcare through innovative learning programs, evidence-based research, and integrative practices. To find out more, go to azcim.org slash podcast. Again, that's azcim.org slash podcast. Hi, Andy. Hi, Victoria.
1: It's so beautiful here in your house today.
0: Yes, uh, lots of plants, sunshine, the garden is outside, and my three canine companions, uh, Ajax, Juno, and Kango.
1: And they're so well-behaved today.
0: They really understand podcasts. They they (laughs) take their positions, and they're completely silent and don't move until we're done recording.
1: But listeners, if you do hear just a little bit of sounds, you'll know what that is. I'd love to have the chance to introduce my colleague and mentor, Dr. Andrew Weil, who is founder and director of the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of Arizona, also a professor of medicine. He's internationally known as the father of integrative medicine, and he's written 18 books?
0: Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm delighted to be here with Dr. Victoria Mazes, who is a graduate fellow of the University of Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine. Uh, She's a family physician, uh, has become an expert in women's health, especially with great interest in environmental medicine as well. You've also written books and uh, is on the lecture circuit. And she has been for a long time now executive director of the Center for Integrative Medicine.
1: I am really excited that we are launching a new podcast called Body of Wonder.
0: Well, podcasts seem to be the way that most people are getting information these days.
1: And we have a lot of information that we want to share with the world.
0: Mm -hmm. I uh, really knew nothing about podcasts and haven't listened to a whole lot of them, but I've been invited to be on them a lot. And I just can't believe the numbers of people that have heard them. I think what I say has reached many more people than I have through my written work.
1: It is amazing. And what I hope for our podcast is that it'll be a conversation mm-hmm. that we will get to have really interesting, thoughtful conversations with people who we think of as thought leaders in integrative medicine.
0: And I'd also like to see them not be too long because <laughs> <laughs> I just simply can't imagine listening to a 2 or 3 hour podcast and I think many people would like to have, you know, shorter shorter informational bits.
1: Well, I agree. Would you please define integrative medicine for our listeners?
0: I think integrative medicine is the way of the future. You know, it is a system that is based on understanding and emphasizing the human organism's potential for healing and self correction. I think that's generally ignored in conventional medicine. Uh, when I sit with a patient, always the question in the back of my mind is, why is healing not happening here? Because that's the rule, not the exception. And what can I do from outside to facilitate that? I think uh, also integrative medicine sees people as not just physical bodies and that uh, we, we teach that uh, you have to understand the mental, emotional being, the spiritual entity, the community member, and look at all those dimensions and trying to understand health and illness... We place a great deal of emphasis on lifestyle. And I think that uh, emphasis on lifestyle medicine puts us in a very strong position to offer real preventive treatment. And by since m- the diseases of lifestyle are epidemic in our society, hypertension, diabetes, obesity, conventional medicine can't manage them well. And they that's major cost burden on the healthcare system. And I think we have ways to manage those conditions and prevent them. And uh, I think you know, an aspect of integrative medicine that attracts a lot of attention is that we're willing to look around the world and throughout history to find uh, remedies, treatments that are not going to cause harm, but show reasonable evidence for efficacy and bring those into mainstream. So, in, you know A short definition of integrative medicine is it's the intelligent combination of conventional and alternative medicine, but I think it's much more than that. It's, it's, as I said, healing-oriented medicine that takes account of the whole person, emphasizes lifestyle, and is willing to use all remedies.
1: Thank you. I know that for many years as you traveled the globe, uh, people would say, but how do I find someone who practices this way? (laughs) And one of the things I'm most proud of is that um, our center, the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of Arizona has major training programs uh, for physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, nurses, registered dietitians. Acupuncturists, physical therapists, you name it. And uh, we probably have a program that you could uh, join us and deepen your learning and your ability to help patients. And now we are developing a range of ways to educate the public, including this podcast.
0: Well, I'm very proud of the fact that our center is the world leader in education in this field. Uh, The demand for uh, integrative practitioners is huge, Uh, the supply is small. Uh, But we are turning them out. We've graduated over almost 2,000 fellows from our very intensive training program. And these are physicians and allied health professionals who now know uh, really the basics of nutritional medicine, mind-body medicine, the strengths and weaknesses of alternative medical systems like Chinese medicine, you know, all the things that are left out of conventional training.
1: And when you talk about the strengths and weaknesses, I feel like one of the things we really help physicians and uh, allied health professionals who train with us do is be discerning. And we want to do that with the public as well.
0: Yeah. Very important to stress that integrative medicine in no way rejects conventional medicine. We're trying to make conventional medicine better. So we're building on it, trying to, you know, tone down its, its excesses and remedy its deficiencies and build a new system of medicine. I've always said that one day we'll be able to drop the word integrative and it'll just be good medicine.
1: So how did you first become involved with the University of Arizona's College of Medicine?
0: (laughs) My car broke down in Tucson in 1973. It was an English Land Rover that I had driven to South America without incident. I shipped it back uh, and the land, had an overhaul at the Land Rover Agency in Laguna Beach. They forgot to pack one of the wheels with grease. I drove to Tucson. I was just going to stop here for a couple days. And I was on my way to southern Mexico to deliver a baby of a friend of mine. And the wheel bearing shattered, almost causing a major accident. And it took six weeks to get the part. It was February of a warm, wet winter. I fell in love with the desert and it was in full bloom. I met people I loved and I never left. Baby got delivered by itself (laughs) as they usually do. Now it also, you know, while I would never imagine that I would be living in Tucson, Arizona, I've been here for 40 some years. It also turns out, I think this is the only place that I could have done what I have done with integrative medicine. You know, I was educated on the East coast. I I did um, an internship on the West coast. Integrative medicine could never have taken root in those places because the uh, the conventional medical establishment is so conservative and powerful. Arizona, first of all, the medical school here was relatively new. The licensing laws in Arizona are kind of wild westy and freewheeling. Uh, all, there was many alternative practitioners who were licensed to practice here. There's a long history of sending people to Arizona for health reasons, you know, remember, send your sinuses to Arizona and people with a- asthma and tuberculosis were sent here to recover. We have the leading spas in the country and this, you know, beautiful natural environment. So I think all of that, it really supported, uh, my initiative to try to change medicine.
1: So there's this philosophical openness, this willingness to mm-hmm. allow you to experiment and, uh, Uh, to do things a bit differently.
0: The University of Arizona approached me. I was living in a fairly remote area at the mouth of a canyon outside of Tucson. I had dropped out of medicine. I was making my living as a writer. I wrote articles for magazines. I had written a couple of books. And uh, people had heard me Speak on the radio or talk, and patients began showing up at my doorstep. It was not an easy doorstep to reach. Uh, And I found myself gradually drawn into practice, which surprised me. But in the meantime, the University of Arizona contacted me and asked me if I would lecture to first and second year medical students about cannabis, because there's a great deal of interest in it. This was about 1974 or 5. And they had no one on the faculty who knew anything about it. I had done the first human double-blind studies with marijuana back in 1968. So I went in and I gave that lecture. It was very well received. And this the course that I did it for called Human Behavior and Development asked me if I would give another lecture on addiction in general. I did that. And for a couple of years, I gave those two lectures each year. And then I said to them, you know, this is old stuff for me, and currently my interests are in about alternative medicine. Nobody even knew what that term meant. Uh, So I gave a lecture uh, on alternative medical practices, talking about things like osteopathy and chiropractic and naturopathy. And then I asked to add another lecture on mind-body interactions and healing. And those lectures became the basis for my first book about health called Health and Healing which really lays out the philosophy of integrative medicine. You know, I enjoyed having a, I don't know what, had some sort of adjunct faculty appointment and was paid minimally for those lectures, but I could use the stationery of that office. And, uh, you know, I had this tenuous institutional connection, but I had no illusions or interest in trying to change anything down there because the College of Medicine at the University of Arizona, like I suppose most colleges of medicine in that era, seemed monolithic, frozen, business as usual, not open to change. So I really felt like a man from Mars down there. And then, I think it was about 1993, my best friend from Harvard Medical School, Joe Alpert, a cardiologist, was named chief of medicine here. He came with a new dean, Jim Dahl, and also a cardiologist. The two of them had been a team at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And uh, had been instrumental in getting John Kabat-Zinn's program in mindfulness uh, meditation set up there. I had dinner with Joe shortly after he arrived. And he said, well, now you have friends in high places. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd like to change all of medicine. <laughs> and he said, how do you want to do that? And I said, I'd like to start a residency in a field I want to call integrative medicine. He said, let's talk to the dean. So that's when Jim Dolan said, you can't really start a residency in a field that doesn't exist. You know, why don't want anything about doing a fellowship. Um, so that's how it began. And the, you know, I have to say for many years, the University of Arizona very much capitalized on my celebrity, you know, using my photograph and all their fundraising materials and stuff, but really never supported our our center financially. You know, they gave us minimal space. We got no money from the state of Arizona. We depended on private philanthropy, um, some federal money, and then gradually we began, became self-sufficient through tuition, But it's only been fairly recently that we've had a university president and a vice president for the health sciences who strongly uh, favored what we've been doing and said they couldn't believe that for so many years the university didn't see what an asset it had in our Center for Integrative Medicine. So it's been a great change.
1: When you first conceived of training doctors in integrative medicine, you were warned away from Training uh, (laughs) medical residents by our dean.
0: So he suggested uh, backing up and taking people who completed residency training to do a fellowship. So the first thing that we did, it was the program in integrative medicine then, was to offer a two-year residential fellowship. People came and lived here for two years. And we took four people at a time, and you were in the second class of Mm -hmm. fellows. Yes, I was. The main criticism that I got in those early years was how possibly you're going to change anything by training four people a year. But over the years, we graduated something like 35 people from that residential fellowship, and some of them are now in very significant positions to make change in medicine. But more importantly, this gave us a chance to really refine a curriculum that could be translated into a distributed learning format. And we began an online fellowship program with some residential time in Tucson. And that has now really grown exponentially. We train about uh, 160 people a year. It might be the largest fellowship program in the world. And we've graduated, um, as I said, 2,000 people from that. Victoria, coming into the fellowship in those early days, that was a fairly risky decision. You know, we were a new enterprise in a, in a very new, untested field. How did you come to, to do that?
1: So... I had been in practice in Northern California for nine years before coming into the fellowship. And in those years of practice, I I studied at UCSF for medical school, and then I did a family medicine residency. And I was really interested in this question of how you help people be healthy, stay healthy, return to health, which I think is one of the fundamental questions that we ask in integrative medicine. When my patients in Northern California found out I was interested in that, um, I ended up with this practice of people who took vitamins, paid attention to different kinds of diets. We had John McDougal, who was an early proponent of vegan diets. They were going to chiropractors and using acupuncture. And so I started learning along with my patients. I would say that over the years I was in practice, uh, I had some amazing opportunities, but I also Became deeply dissatisfied with what I would call the fast paced treadmill. And the treadmill kept getting faster and faster until I felt that we were just putting band aids on serious problems. And I was very unsure that I wanted to go back to school. (laughs) But when I came and interviewed at the fellowship, I felt that the mission of the program then in integrative medicine and my own personal mission were so well aligned that I convinced my husband and three children that we had to move to Tucson for me to do this. So the fellowship uh, is an amazing training program. It's two years, as you said, mostly online with three residential weeks in Tucson. And we've trained about 1,700 um, doctors and nurse practitioners in it. But our goal was really to get into the fundamental foundational training of physicians. And the average age of our fellows is mid-40s. So that's a bit late. We were delighted to start a program in 2008 that we call Integrative Medicine in Residency. And this embeds a 200-hour curriculum within the residence training itself. We started this at eight family medicine residencies. We're now up to 88 residencies And they're in family medicine, internal medicine, pediatrics, psychiatry, OBGYN, preventive medicine. So it's really grown very substantially. And in that program alone, we're training about 1,500 doctors a year. So it's exceeded the capacity by far of the fellowship.
0: And, you know, in the early years, uh, we were seen as radical, anti-scientific you know, the enemy of conventional medicine. And now the term integrative medicine is totally accepted in academic discourse. There are textbooks of integrative medicine, some of them produced by our graduates. And National Institute of Medicine held a national conference on integrative medicine. Uh, Oxford University Press asked me to be the general editor of a series of volumes for clinicians in integrative medicine. You know, it's just wonderful to watch this this change. It's I think everybody now has heard of this.
1: I would think it would be deeply satisfying to be in your shoes at this point of your life. Uh, Not that many people get to witness uh, something they hold dear, have argued for, written about for decades, come to full fruition.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I think for uh, the early years of my work, I was way ahead of the times and uh, I didn't get much reinforcement for it. And it's been amazing to watch the mainstream catch up with me, but I hope I, I never cease being controversial. You know, <laughs> I used to bother me when I was on television programs, and people say the controversial Doctor Weil. But I think if I'm not controversial, I'm not doing my work.
1: Well, you still seem to be willing
0: to hold <laughs> that uh, message. <laughs> Good, and I hope I hope that flavors some of our center's work as well.
1: Yes, I think. Um... Part of the work of our center is very much to ask the people who train with with us to think about what criteria would they use as they are approached with something novel. Mm -hmm. And there are novel things all the time, like, for example, stem cells. When do you decide there's enough evidence to send uh, one of your patients to have a stem cell transplant?
0: So we're in touch with a lot of interesting people who have novel ideas. And, and, uh, you know, I think our hope was to bring some of these people on our podcast and, and acquaint listeners with some of these new ways of thinking about medicine.
1: So I'm really excited to announce our first six guests. They will include Deepak Chopra, Uh, who's been, like you, writing for a very long time about these concepts, and uh, we'll speak with him about consciousness. Uh, We have a uh, nutrition and the brain researcher, especially focusing on the micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals, uh, Bonnie Kaplan, uh, a wonderful science writer, Donna Nakazawa, who will focus on the immune system in the brain, Uh, We will have Paul Stamets, who's a longtime friend of yours, and also, I would say, a bit of a disruptor, who (laughs) will be talking about uh, mushrooms. We have a pioneer in the field of interactive guided imagery, Bellruth Naperstack. And then we have a scientist and researcher, Walter Longo, who has been one of the leading researchers on fasting, fasting mimicking diets, and intermittent fasting. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, we are constantly thinking of new guests to have on.
1: And want to hear your thoughts about who you'd like to hear from and who you'd like to have Andy and myself have a conversation with. We have set up several ways for you to ask us your questions. You can call us at 520 621 3950. That's 1 520 621 3950. Or you can submit a question by going to our website azcim.org slash podcast. Again, azcim.org slash podcast. And uh, we look forward to getting your questions and bringing them on the show.
0: More and more people are looking to complementary treatments and healing-oriented medicine. The Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine is training healthcare professionals and empowering individuals to take the lead and transform medicine. Find out more information at azcim.org slash podcast. Again, that's azcim.org slash podcast.